Good morning, church. Today's readings come from Psalms, chapter 68, verses 4 through 5. Sing to God, sing praises to His name. Lift up His song to Him, who rides through deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt before Him, Father of the fatherless, protector of the widows, His God, and His holy habitation. Also from Exodus, chapter 22, verses 21 through 24. You shall not wrong the sojourner or oppress him, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I surely will hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. And also from Isaiah chapter 1, verses 17 through 18. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, Plead to the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. This is the word of the Lord. Part one. The father and protector of those without belonging. I want you to think about belonging as I go over these verses, okay? The father and protector of those without belonging. Part two. Part two. Oh, where's my part two? Oh, here we go. Part two. I want, I want to say certain words that a lot of people believe. This is the words that those without belonging, this is what they believe. Here, here's the phrase. I am all alone in the world. I am all alone in the world. That's part two. That's what people without belonging say. That's the word, that's their life. This is the reality of their life. This is what they think about their life. And then as they go around and then see how other people treat them, I am all alone in the world. Right, that's part two. But what we want them to hear is the gospel this way. From Jesus, hear his words. From the Father his father, the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows, here's the words that we want to proclaim and people to hear. I will never forsake you nor leave you. <laughs> I will never forsake you nor leave you. That'll be part three. Okay? Um, let's look at some of these passages. Um, some of them you may have heard before, but let, let's go over them uh, briefly. But I want you to have this idea of Belonging in mind. So part one, um, Psalm 68, verse 4 and 5. Psalm 68. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the desert. His name is Yahweh, exalt before him. And then this, who he, how, it's, how he's described. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. I want you to just think about this for a moment, okay? If you, if you grew up in the church, God is God. If you didn't grow up in church, God is God. He's almighty. He's omnipotent. He's up there. He judges. He's creator. You know, he's going to judge us, okay? Um, he's a father. Father of whom? The fatherless. Um, you go to prison. I, I, you go to prison vast majority of a lot of the people in prison, you know what they have in common? Well, they committed crimes. Okay, sure. Before they committed crimes, 
maybe long before they committed crimes, you know what they had in common? No daddy. If you walk into a prison, you should look at them and think, God wants to be their father. <laughs> How about that? How about that? If you meet a woman and she's been, uh, she, she doesn't have a husband to protect her anymore or care for her because he died. Or, I, I, and I'm going to start talking about, he died, but maybe he's not dead. He might as well be dead because he abandoned her. That's the more common thing today, actually. There are many women today, even if their husband isn't dead, he might as well be dead because he's gone. God wants to be her protector. Okay? That's justice. That's justice. Okay. Let's go to Exodus 22, verse 21. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him. For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I'll kill you with the sword. You see the retributive justice. And your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. Pretty serious threat. So, you know, I know we read some of these verses before, but, you know, we just went through Christmas and, you know, New Year's. <laughs> and, um, and so I kind of want to wake you up. <laughs> and um, we can't really think seriously about justice. And, t and you're not even thinking about justice unless you know there's a serious real, from the real justice, from the real God, there's a retributive aspect. And if we do not have fear of the real God, and we, then you just don't even know what real justice is. And so, we, we have to think about this. My wrath will burn out, kill you with the sword. That's real justice from the real God, okay? And who are we talking about? The sojourners, the widow, the fatherless child. By the way, so this Exodus 22, 21 to 24 it's just sad again and again. And I, and I showed this to you again and again and again and again. again. I can just, I can just, there's so many verses like this. I just want to just give you this one as a good example. And let's just do one more. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah has tons on justice. Chapter 1. And chapter 1 is actually not talking to, um, you know, secular people, you know, the other nation. It's just talking to Israel. And you know what chapter 1 is? It's God, it just starts right off, and Isaiah has to give a message from God to Israel, and God is mad. <laughs> and you know what he's mad about? He's saying, and, and, and just for the sake of time, I didn't get into this, but he's basically saying, don't bring, verse 13 says, bring me no more of your vain offerings. Your incense is an abomination to me. You know what he's saying? Your worship sucks, I don't want it. Your temples are nothing. Your offerings are nothing. Your prayers, I don't want to hear them. Why? Why does he not want their worship? And it goes like this. Verse 17, learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. That's what he wants. 
And then he says this, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, says Yahweh. That's capital L-R-D is in Hebrew, Yahweh is his name. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So are you a comfortable religious person who calls yourself a follower of Yahweh? But we care nothing about oppression, justice to the fatherless, or do we plead the widow's cause? I, I, don't, I don't want to scare the heck out of you, but it's what it says in the Bible. He doesn't want our worship if we don't care about these things. It doesn't mean we can go out there and fix it right away. But we must have his heart. We must begin someplace. And if our offerings and our movements toward his justice are small, you know what? That's good. God loves it. God is a God of grace. But he is also a God of real justice. Our obedience can be small. Our repentance can be small. But they must be real. Must be real. This is our God. Okay? That'll be part one. Let's go to part two. I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about all three camps of these people the fatherless, the widow, and those who we will call the outsider. We'll call the minority. Regularly, what, what do they all have in common? You can say, well, you know, well, they often comment is they get mistreated. Okay, okay, that's one. But I want to ask you, what do they have in common in their own in, inside? Not externally, but what do they have inside? In their mind, what they have in common is a vulnerability. And that vulnerability is they say this even if they don't say this. These are they're words that they say, but this is what they believe. I'm all alone in the world. Nobody has my back. That's why the lions will eat me. I just expect it. I just expect that I'm going to get the short end of the stick. That's what it is. Um, you know, um, I want to just say this. There's a, there's a strange thing going on in our culture. If I put it this way, a lot of you will feel immediately, you know, even if you're not a Christian, you'll feel, you'll have a reaction and you're like, you know, I think that's true. That, that is what, how they think. And quite frankly, they don't just think that and feel that. It's true. <laughs> Who takes care of the fatherless kid? Who helps them with their SAT? Who, who cares if they miss school? Who cares if they don't have enough money for lunch? Who cares if a bully is beating them up? Who cares if someone mocks them? Who cares if they can't get a job? Who cares if they can get to college? Can they even go to college? Because no, Is anyone going to pay for college? And if their mom and dad don't have enough money for college, who's going to take them through the financial aid process? It's a maze. It's really hard to go through without a dad or a mom. I know. I'm a dad that takes my kids through the financial aid process. It's hard. <laughs> it's pretty hard. 
And so I have to like ride my kids to do it because I need this, 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 and this, and that for them. And it's hard. And, um, and I don't know a lot about the college process, but man, I, I don't know how people do it. If, a father, if you're fatherless, or if you don't have a mom or a dad or a good high school teacher or a good guidance counselor, somebody, somebody, I'm all alone in the world. Now, I want to say a little something about this. That's true, but I want to say this. Today, this is really interesting. What if I say it a little bit differently? I don't need anybody. I'm not dependent on anybody. You have no right to say anything about my life. What if I say it that way? What if I say it that way? If I say it that way, all of a sudden the feelings change. If I say, I'm all alone in the world, and then I say, who believes this? The fatherless. The minority. The widow. You, you, you go, whoa. There's compassion. But then I just say, I don't need anybody in life. I'm not dependent on anybody in life. You have no right to speak and tell me what to do. Now the feelings immediately change. The feelings are now, well, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I, I feel about myself. Is it? Today we want to believe that you can get through life without someone else. You belong to yourself. You are yours. Where do you have belonging? To me. Do you, do you belong to anybody else? The word is belonging. Belong means somebody has a claim on you. Somebody's obligated to you. You know what that also means? If you belong to them, you're obligated to them. <laughs> belonging. So today we, we have a, this incredibly schizophrenic viewpoint. For the people that are hurting, we want them to have belonging. We want to help them. But then when you think about your own life, you go, I belong to no one but to me. That's how we think. So let me say some things. Nobody has a right to make any claims on you or me. Let's put it this way. I don't know anyone. I'm not obligated to anyone. Does that sound good to you? Are these words that sound good to you? I want to say this. It's very, very bad. It's really, really bad. If you think, if you think this way or you want to believe these kinds of words, then you're a deeply sick person. You're filled with a profound selfishness and you don't understand how the world works. You're filled with a spiritual cancer that's going to kill you. But this is what happens. You want this for you. I don't know anybody. I belong to me. And then we spread this around to everybody in our society. And then, you know what happens? What happens is there's a huge downside. If there are certain very weak people, see, what happens is like, if you grow up in a nice suburbs and you have nice parents, and you're like, I don't owe anybody. I belong to me. I don't have to listen to anybody. Your parents actually don't believe that. 
That's, you know, that's why they like harangue you and push you around, like get you to like brush your teeth and do your homework. And, and then, you know, they yell at you to get in the financial aid, you know, on time, like, like me, you know, like I, I threaten my kids. If you miss that date, oh man, like you will, you will, you will feel the wrath of dad, <laughs> right? And so we like want to say, I don't know anybody, I belong to myself, but your parents don't actually believe that, thankfully. <laughs> and you know what? The police don't believe that. The judges don't believe that. Our country doesn't believe that. So if you're a citizen of America, you know what America thinks? You belong to them. And they owe you. Do you know that if you're an American citizen and you're in a foreign country and that foreign country gets invaded, you know what the America, America feels that they're supposed to do? They have to send in the Marines to come rescue you. It happens. You know what that is? It's belonging. That's what it is. So if you think it's so great, I don't, you know, I don't owe anybody. I, I belong to myself. And then we spread that around everybody. Then, every, then we have this, this crazy schizophrenic hypocrisy. And so, and then you know who pays for it? The people who got no daddy. They, put, they are in our country, but we don't think they belong to us. They don't belong to us, so we don't know them. You know, no Marines for them. Yeah. That's how it is. This is the problem of justice. So you strip everything down to the bottom, bottom. So much of it, it comes down to what you believe about who you belong to. Who do you belong? Where is your belonging? So I want to take you back. So this is a few weeks ago. So if you remember all this, because you're one of these super smart people who remember everything, you know, sorry for reusing the same illustration. <laughs> but if, you're, if you don't remember, this will be like new to you. So this is great. Okay? So I, I, I said this a few weeks ago when I was talking about the fatherless. And I quoted from a brilliant essay called the Fury of the Fatherless by one of our top social critics, Mary Eberstadt. And Mary, Mary Eberstadt said this, the vast majority of incarcerated juveniles have grown up in fatherless homes. So here's just a few things. Absent fathers predict higher rates of truancy, psychiatric problems, criminality, promiscuity, drug use, rape, domestic violence, and other less-than-optimal outcomes. Love that phrase, less-than-optimal outcomes, right? If you think nobody, you're all alone in the world, you tend to do desperate things, like cling to people who aren't good for you. You might do drugs. Where do you get prostitutes? A woman has to think, Nowadays, actually, I guess they're, they're not all women. But she goes, I'm all alone in the world. And then a pimp comes along and says, you can make money and I'll protect you. That's how you get prostitutes. They'll never not be prostitutes. And where do they come from? They come from the fatherless and they come from the widow. They come from the women 
And they got no man to say, I'll be your protector. They have no father. They have no husband. They have nobody tough enough, strong enough, committed enough who will say, I'll protect you from a wicked world. Mary Eberstadt, let me continue. All right. Um, Here's another pertinent, albeit socially radioactive fact. What she wants to talk about is that, that the, the vulnerability of the fatherless isn't just in the way the world treats them, it's inside of them. The vulnerability is inside of them. So, so she says, as fatherlessness leads to a search for father substitutes. The murder rate in inner cities, for example, are irreducibly familial phenomena. That's because the murder problem is largely a gang problem, and the gang problem is largely a daddy problem. And then she quotes Minnesota Psychological Association. Here's a quote. I'm going to give this to you again. It's great. It's great in the sense that it's so insightful. But it's not great for what it's reporting. A high percentage of gang members come from father-absent homes. Minnesota Psychological Association. And then they say this interesting thing. Possibly resulting from a need or a sense of belonging. Okay, let me correct the Minnesota Psychological Possibly resulting, no, absolutely resulting from a need for a sense of belonging. Not possibly, absolutely. That's exactly where it's coming from. Gaining that sense of belonging is an important element for all individuals. Through gangs, youth find a sense of community and acceptance. In addition, the gang leader may fill the role of father, often leading members to model their behaviors after that individual. Having a father in the child's life greatly reduces the likelihood of a child joining a gang. Mary Eberstadt says that if you don't have a dad, you're going to find a dad substitute. Some of the dad substitutes are toxic. That's the way she puts it. If your dad substitutes your gang leader and says, do as I do because I'm your daddy, even if I end up in prison or dead in the next two years, the father substitute fatherless son will father his father into death. This is how the world works. So when God says he wants to protect the fatherless and the widow, this is what he's talking about. So I just want to say a couple more things. And, you know, we're, you know, we're running out of time as, as usual. And so I, I need to give us some good news. Right? And I need some time to give us the good news. But I want to say a couple things. One, if we throw money at the problem, it will not solve the problem. The problem is belonging. Oh, you have a lack of belonging. Let, let me give you $100. If you have a lack of belonging, money doesn't solve that problem. You know, if you have a lack of belonging, you know what you need. You need other people to offer you belonging. For them to mean it. And then to sacrifice for it. For us to mean it and sacrifice to offer real belonging, the Bible calls that Justice. That's justice. Okay? What does it take to offer those without belonging, belonging? That's justice. Okay? 
And um, I'll just say one more thing here. Brothers and sisters, of course, you and I can't do it all. And there's just failure of justice. This is one of the other things I said in, in the previous fall. We are failing justice all the time. And of course we do. Mostly, you know what we want to do? we like, I feel like a zebra in the world. I better work harder so I can get promoted into lion status. <laughs> That's kind of like basically what the world is about. You're a kid. Don't end up a zebra. <laughs> That's kind of like the, the basic purpose of life is to try to end up a, a lion. <laughs> and don't get eaten. The world is a jungle. If you go to a good school and marry other lions, then you won't get eaten. That seems to, that's the basic purpose of life. But actually, there'd be no justice if that was the case. And if, that, and if the world was just lions, you say, I, I don't owe anybody. I, I, you know, like I, you know, like I belong to myself. And you know, as long as I got other lions around me, I feel, I'm feeling good about myself. You know what we'll do? We'll just sell out all the zebras. They, they say, justice, justice, well, you know, like, uh, whatever. We won't expend our money. We won't expend our time. But if your true belonging, this is where I'm going to get to the final word here, okay? If your true belonging is not lion or zebra, if your true belonging is in the family of God, now we can offer justice, Right? So let me close this way. I want to offer you two Bible passages. So here's, here, here are the words that, if you, um, if you, if you don't believe in Jesus, you, you probably don't believe that your, word, your life is all built on word. That was, okay, by the way, maybe, maybe I can like a little plug. This is what we, what we went over in elder training, you know, in theology training. Everything in life is built on words. It's built on words. It's not built on money. It's not built on power. It's built on words. So if life is, I am all alone in the world, if those are the words that you believe, they have real consequences. But here are the words we want you to believe. And they're the words from God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Said from the Father of the fatherless. So let me just give you two passages. This is, by the way, is set again and again. Just let me give you a couple instances. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. So Moses says this to Joshua. Joshua has to take over this formerly slave people. They're going to go into the promised land. All the people around them are lions and they're zebras. They're weak. They're strong. In fact, when they look at them, they're like, they're bigger than us. There's more of them. They're stronger than us. They're the lions. We're the zebras. You know what Moses said to Joshua? Here's what he said. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. Revive church. If you believe in Jesus, do not fear or be in dread of the lions of the world. This is God's word to you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. There it is. And just in case Joshua missed it, 
Verse 7, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong. So then he said it to him personally, and then he said to him, all the people, be strong, Christian, for you shall go with this people into the land that Yahweh has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put, put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes with you. And then he says this. He says, now he said this in front of everybody. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Let me give you one more place where it said. I, I told you it said multiple times. Hebrews chapter 13. This is a good one for Silicon Valley Christians. Okay. Uh, last, last week I, I said that we're very much like the city of Laodicea. We're the modern day version of the church of Laodicea. So Laodicean Silicon Valleyans, here's the word for you. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. What words will you build your life on? So let me close this way. These words are not mere good intentions. They're not mere words without actions. They're not words that are just mere feelings but nothing else because that's what secularism believes in. Secularism believes in words that are feelings and good intentions but are built on nothing. They're just built on, you know, words. The lion's words. We, our words are built on God's words. Our lives are built on God's words. But it's not just mere words without actions. These words are given by the father of the fatherless and protector of widows, the God of true justice. He is the one who fulfills retributive justice and restorative justice in and through the redemption of his son, Jesus. Jesus came to swallow up all injustice by becoming oppressed, by becoming alienated, rejected, and by being left all alone so that he could be Emmanuel, God with us for all those who are fatherless, who are widows, who are oppressed. Can you hear that? If you're one of these kind of people, Jesus, he didn't just stay outside of the pain. He entered into the pain to be with you. And then he experienced what it was like to be bereft and cast out by an unjust world and society. Jesus came to swallow up all our failures of justice and with his justice and, and, and also to swallow up all our failures. And in, his, in, the, in the place of our injustice, he would give his compassion, love, and obedience so that he would replace with his compassion, love, obedience, with his justice, he would replace our indifference our callousness and disobedience and heal the world. He has made himself the most absolute sure foundation so that all justice is fulfilled even though it is failed by us. In this way, because of this sure foundation accomplished by Jesus, the Father can say to all of us who are weak, whether you're weak because you're fatherless or because we are weak, because even though we may have privilege in the world, 
we fail real justice. He can say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? Brothers and sisters, because we have received this great grace and the assurance of true justice, having the final and last say, let us live in and for real justice, okay? Don't do it because you're afraid that you're guilt-ridden or you have to perform. Don't do it because you're afraid of the lions of our society. Do it as an act of love back to the one who has given us real justice, okay? He loves these people around us. If we love them, we love him. Revive the church as God's house. It's the Father's house for the fatherless. We're his, the family of God. Let us offer belonging to the fatherless, to the widows, and the outsiders of our city. Because he has offered us this belonging, let us offer this belonging in the jungle of the world. Okay? That's what the church is. And it doesn't matter if we're small or if we're hated or disrespected, the Father loves it. He will cherish us. He will protect us. He will watch after us. He, even when we suffer, oh, he'll be so pleased and he'll give us his power and his pleasure. Revive church, let's live this way. Be courageous, be strong, and do not be afraid of the lions of the world. For God has said to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's pray. We often, Father, we just, uh, we don't want to end up weak. And we are nervous that we will um, be swallowed up by the powerful amidst us. Whether they are our boss, they're our neighbors, they're the people who yell at us and tell us that we're bad for believing in Jesus for disagreeing on social media. But Lord, more than some agenda or some word of man, may we stand on the word of God. Your word offers us real justice and real grace and real salvation. And your word offers us a great and incredible promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Help us to believe this and not fall down and fail you. I know we will and we do. But thank you that in and through Jesus, first we are forgiven and we are washed. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you give us the life and heart of Jesus to live in great courage and purpose and joy. Give us this great courage and purpose and joy. And be pleasing before your sight in Jesus' name.